0: Uh, if I remember correctly, the last time we were uh, I, I, I said some things about the story of Rebecca and how I think it's Genesis 24 yeah, it is and and just just kind of was trying to give an overview of that story. Uh, um, it's a long chapter. And, uh, it's, it's an important chapter. I, I think it's a fantastic picture. I ended up thinking about it and talking about it with some people the next day, but just because it kind of stuck in my heart. But just the, the picture in, in, in Genesis 24 is of, um, it's of how God gets, well, it's about how Abraham gets a wife for his son. But I think what we're meant to see there, and I think that the, the picture there is pretty clearly, um, how the father gets a bride for his wife. I'm sorry, a bride for his son. A wife for his son. Whatever. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, it starts out and, and there's this clear warning that he, you know, that he certainly can't take any uncircumcised seed, any of the Canaanites or the Philistines or whatever, and then he begins to, to tell the, his servant, who I think kind of represents in a sense, uh, the spirit, the ministry of the spirit, or the work of the spirit, that that the one that's going to be joined to his son has to come out, basically come out and, and 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 experience the same journey that has to come out from from one land and come into the land where the son lives, and he makes him he makes him swear, and and he says it two or three times, and then makes him swear. That he will not take his son back there, his son doesn't belong there; his son in a sense, has come out from that land in in abraham he has he has made a an exodus already out of that land and and in order to be joined to him. The wife, the bride, has to come out and experience that same journey. Has to come out of that land, leave her kindred, country, kindred, and father's house behind. It's very similar to what Abraham had to do. She has to uh, be willing to leave all that she's known behind and come out and to and and join. Um, you know, the the end of the story is where she. You know, it says that she goes into uh, the the tent with uh, with uh, with Isaac and um i don't know that's just there's a lot of things we mentioned there just to kind of bring you back up to speed we we talked just about the 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 way that the spirit of god is not if you can understand what i mean by this he's not trying to bring christ back here he's not bringing christ onto our ground he's bringing us out of our ground onto christ's ground and he onto resurrection ground, as T. and Sp- sparks always calls it, he, he takes us out of egypt 's ground and brings us into the promised lands ground you know that he, he doesn 't join with us he doesn 't make covenants uh he doesn 't make establish relationship in Egypt. he brings you out and then locks you into this eternal covenant that you can experience with him, but the whole point of that that, that chapter. In a few words in my opinion is this is this exodus is this coming out, and it's the willingness of Rebecca to do it and that's really what what you see there at the end and I didn't really get into this that much, but it, as all there's always there's and well, it's not in every single story but in so many of these stories that have to do with making an exodus or leaving a country kindred and father house behind there's always this opportunity that and it seems legitimate to stay back. You know, the, in this case, um, you know, Laban, who is young in this story, and he does kind of the same thing later with Jacob, but now he's younger and he's and, and Rebecca's his sister and he's trying to, you know, say, Come on, just stay a little while longer. Are you sure you want to go? How about ten days, stay more you know, he's doing this kind of keep them from going kind of thing, which is kind of a similar thing he does to Jacob and his daughters later. But um but you see that same kind of thing. I was I was reading something this week about um Elijah Elijah and Elisha and how Elijah kept going, Well the Lord has sent me on to this place and, and why don't you just stay here and Elijah says Elisha says, As as you as your no, how does it go as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not I will not uh stop from following you. And he he does that three separate times and every time Elijah kind of gives him these opportunities to go back and to stay at a certain point. Or the story of um, the story of uh Ruth it's Ruth, right? Yeah, Naomi, a few times, says to, to Ruth and, and Orpah, uh, that her two daughters-in-law, stay here with your family, your country, your kindred, your father's house, and you know, have an inheritance here, I have no more sons in my womb for you to marry, stay, remember her, her, her sons had died and left them as widows. And Orpah, you know, takes the, takes the exit ramp, takes the out. But, but Ruth says, as, it's a very similar thing. As you live, as the Lord your God lives, I will, your gods will be, your God will be my God, your land will be my God, my land, and your people will be my people, or however she says it. And Ruth, you know, two or three times gives, or Naomi gives her the opportunity to, to, uh, to stay behind. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because it's always feels that, there's always legitimate sounding, reasons to not leave those things behind and not follow the Lord fully out of that land and that realm and into another. There's always it just always seems like that. Not not that the Lord is trying to talk you out of it, but 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 that's not the picture involved. In my opinion the picture involved is that you're not gonna you're not gonna follow him unless you're resolute like that. You're not gonna follow him unless you understand what it means unless you understand that 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 his God is must be your God and his land, your land, and his people, your people, and they, and that there's nothing there for you. And so the Holy Spirit shows up to Rebecca and shows her a couple trinkets of the land that he came from. You know, and the Holy Spirit does that sometimes too with us. I mean, remember the servant pulls out a big nose ring and and, and, and slaps it on her and, and, and some bracelets and you know, just to kind of almost to kind of whet her appetite to go. I mean it's it's a It's a natural picture, obviously. The Spirit of God may do that with us with some kind of a, you know, physical healing or or some kind of a revival type situation or some kind of, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But it's not, it's not so you, it's not so you stay there with the big nose ring and hang out with Laban. It's so that that shows you something that there's something more. There's something to leave for. There's something, there's a reason to stay behind, I mean, to leave what's behind and to come out with the servant. And, and that's what Rebecca does. She has a, she has the kind of heart, a heart that is thirsty, which I, I believe is what, it, we talked about this a bit, that she was at the well. Um, uh, Rachel, Joseph, or Jacob met Rachel at the well. Uh, the servant here finds Rebecca at a well. Moses finds his wife, Sapphira at a well. It's just, it's again, it's something that just kind of repeats itself. I don't, it's not like the well was just like a, good place to meet girls or something i think it's i think it's significant um uh there's something about thirst and and all those who are thirsty come to the water something of that you know i think being spoken of there by the well she's she has a hungry or a thirsty and a humble heart she she's willing to feed his camels and 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 this this kind of heart of of Rebecca is put on display, and and then she, even though Laban tries to give her excuses for staying behind, she says, "No, I want to go. I'm going to go," and so she takes off and goes, and is is right away. I mean, pretty much the next verse is she's joined to Isaac because the journey isn't for, for our hearts, as we've talked about in other stories. The journey isn't getting to Christ. The journey that's an instantaneous thing, being born again, being joined to Him in spirit. The journey is knowing the Christ that we have been joined to, and so she just like Abraham when he left his father's house. It says Abraham left for Canaan, and Abraham arrived in Canaan. I think that's um, Genesis twelve five. Abraham left for Canaan, Abraham arrived in Canaan, and every every other aspect of Abraham's journey was staying in Canaan, seeing Canaan, walking in the depth, the width, the height, the breadth of that land, and knowing it as his inheritance. Same thing here, there's not anything spoken about the journey itself, she's immediately away from one land and in the tent of another man, or or of her husband, but then it's... um, you know the the journey then i think what we're supposed to see the journey is the knowing of isaac the knowing of christ so um all right let's see here that's kind of i just wanted to say a couple more things about that that i didn't really hit on last time and 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 again the the main thing and and, and the thing that i think we all just really need to understand and and because we're, you because you're you're going to experience it, it, it it's 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 this it's this continual opportunity to um to, to choose some legitimate reason not to not to leave everything behind and go out to christ it's and some of it'll even have the name of christianity all over it you know it'll it'll be a version of christianity that has to do with trying to get you know lasso god and bring him down in, into your tent, and, and the whole while, it's it's easy to make those things sound legitimate. I mean, Jesus, people would come to Jesus and say they wanted to follow him, and then he would expose the fact that they don't, you know? They would say, you know, let me just bury my father, and then I'll follow you, and he'll say, let the dead bury their dead, or, you know... Um, you know someone wants to follow him or wants to wants to know God supposedly and he says sell everything you have and then follow me and he couldn't do it you know and and do you think it's not it's not as though Jesus was trying to discourage these people from following him he just he just don't you cannot follow him and Stay behind. You can't put your hand to the plow and look back. That's what he said. You can't try to keep your life and be my disciple. Those are those are those are mutually exclusive things. They're they're contradictory in, in themselves. They they just don't. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. You can't. It's it's a totally different man, a totally different life, a totally different light, and a totally different place to live. And the two do not mix. You can't stay in Egypt and be in the promised land. I mean, some of the types and shadows of this are really obvious. Um, But when it comes to us really experiencing and knowing those things in our heart now, uh, we're we're slow to understand. So, okay. Uh, Let's see if there's anything else here that I wanted to mention. I don't think, I think I did all of it here. Alright, so the next chapter gets us into the story of Jacob and Esau. And there's so much here, and I've talked about it in other classes before too, and, and and I don't know where that was or whatever, but um so there there's there's lots of aspects um to this story of Jacob. Um there's this first part, which we'll talk about tonight, where he is he's in his father's house, and the focus is on um, the, the focus of this story is on you. You could say it's on the birthright and the inheritance. You could say it's on the first becoming last and the last becoming first. Uh, it, it, really, it's it's about a people clothed in the the merits and hidden in the life of another that that receive from the father um, what 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 naturally they have no right to receive. That's you know, that's what this first part's about—the whole Jacob Esau story. And then the story of Jacob. Um, there's a there's another and that's and that's a big that's a big you know it's a it's several chapters here, and and we'll we'll spend a little bit of time on it. And, th- and then the story of Jacob continues, and and it takes on I think some different. Um, well, it starts to paint some other pictures of Christ because suddenly it's a story. That, that story of the firstborn and the inheritance and the clothed in Christ picture kind of wraps up and then it's a story about a son coming out from the father to get a bride, to get an inheritance, and then to come back to the father. So, so it changes and then you have several, I'm just trying to give you the big picture here because we're going to spend some, some time looking at the details, but, um, then you so you have several chapters that have that paint all kinds of pictures of Christ coming out from His Father. That the 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 first son marries um, flesh, marries uh, you know sons of Ishmael and and whatever an Egyptian in in, in that land, but and that's displeasing to the Father. So the first marries something that's not. Um, not what the father wants him to join himself to. And so the second, you know, says I'm going to be pleasing to my father, I'm going to go out. And yes, there's, you know, he's fleeing from Esau, that's paints that that works into the picture too, but the the big the big picture again, I always like to take a, a bunch of steps back and see how far back I need, need to get to get the overall panorama view and then the details start to make sense within that within that view. So, if I'm backing up in in this story, I see a in the second part of the Jacob story, I see a son that represents Christ who comes out from the father and and there's a way that he is there's a way that he is receiving an inheritance. And he has his he has his experience too of the first and the second uh in Leah and Rachel and that he has this, this picture of increase, and he has, he has to wrestle there against, uh, against man, and, and against God, so to speak. He, and he does wrestle against Laban, he does wrestle against God, and, and, and both of those are aspects of the work of Christ. And, and yet he comes out, he comes out with just a staff, and he comes back with these two comp, uh, companies, I think, uh, two camps. And, um, and, and, and as he comes back, God gives him the name Israel, the corporate son, the corporate body. So he comes out as just one man, Jacob, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm just, again, painting with real broad strokes. And then he come, he comes back as this corporate body that has wrestled with God and prevailed, returning to the Father with this huge increase, and God gives it the name Israel which is so significant. I mean, super significant. And 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 God adds to those pictures in Exodus, you know, of this Israel is my son, my corporate, this corporate people that, again, comes out, you know, Moses comes out from the father at Mount Sinai, goes into the land, gathers up a people, and then comes out with Israel, my son. It's the same kind of thing, but a whole lot more details. And um, so... Um, so anyway, tonight, the first part of this story is is another picture of the first and the second we 've talked about the first and the second uh, a number of times already in this class it it 's never going to go away you can 't get bored of it yet so don't don't get bored of it because first of all it 's this it 's a story that 's going to pop up a ton more times in the Old Testament. And it's a story that you're going to have to face in your heart for the rest of your life. So um, we're not again, we're not trying to cover ground in this class. We're trying to see through these testimonies the substance which um, which God wants us to see and experience it. And the substance uh, of so so many of these stories is the reality of uh, the first being rejected, the first uh, squandering. Uh, or the first falling short, uh, not pleasing the Father, and the second becoming that thing which fulfills what the first could not, m- pleases the Father, um, becomes in itself the substance or the or the or the fulfillment of all the pictures that are in the first. There's lots of aspects of the first and the second, and, and, and depending on whether you're talking about Cain and Abel or Jacob and Esau, or jo- uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. That's not right. Um, yeah, that is right. But Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, Sarah and or Rachel and Leah, or um, Saul and David, or uh, Manasseh and Eph- Ephraim, or um, David's two sons, the one that is taken, and then Solomon the second. I mean, the one that the two sons of Bathsheba. It's just it's just all over the place, and. And 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 the reason isn't just so that it just to point to the fact that the old Israel is replaced by a spiritual Israel. The, the the real fulfillment that that becomes super important to us is the reality in your soul that there the first man the man of your first birth is rejected he's the one that fell short he ha, he he bore a shadow he carried a shadow to some extent romans 5:14 that adam has a shadow or carries a shadow of him who was to come But he doesn't have the actual substance that is pleasing to the God, the ability, pleasing to God, the ability to, 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 to be righteousness, to be wisdom, to be the son who is pleasing to the father. He's a rebellious son and, and you face this reality of the first and the second in your own heart. And so you have to, you have to stare at these things. You have to let your heart come back again and again to these realities and let the Lord deal with your heart about them because it's how God understands you and the journey you're on and the thing he's trying to do in you. And so it has to become, therefore, the thing, the way that you understand it as well. The way that you understand what's going on in you. So here we have, again, just for people that may be a little more new to this, the first is the, it's the natural. The, it's the shadow. It's the prophecy, the promise, the picture. It's the it's a natural kingdom and a natural man and a natural covenant the first covenant the first creation the first man all of which points to and yet falls short of a new man a new creation a new covenant the second man a greater kingdom a spiritual kingdom an eternal an eternal fulfillment of all of the pictures and 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 and, and um and and in this story you see a lot of the same general things that we've seen in Cain and Abel, and we've seen in Isaac and uh, Ishmael, but but the Lord brings a a bunch of more uh, details into view. And I think the key to understanding this uh, these stories is you, you got to pay attention to what it says in Genesis chapter twenty five. Okay, Genesis chapter twenty five. Let's see. I'm going to start reading in, in verse twenty one. It says now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah his wife conceived. Now here again it's not a coincidence that all of these women start off barren and then the Lord opens their womb and then out from their womb comes the seed that carries forth the the the, the promise, you know. That's not it's just not bad luck. It's not like some kind of generational curse. It's it's a very intentional type and shadow. Um, it's how the bloodline of Christ is, is uh, traced because it points to him in every way. And so these, you know, both, let's see, Sarah. Yes. Rebecca. Yes. And then Rachel, it's this all three of the, the, you know, uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's wives all have this issue of dead womb. And then out comes this, this seed. All right. So, um, the child, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, "If all is well, why am I like this? I don't really, I don't really understand why she said it like that." But um, it's always been a curious verse to me there. But so, so she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, "And here's the key, right here, verse twenty-three: Two nations are in your womb, two peoples." shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other or greater than the other depending on your translation and the older shall serve the younger now here what are we supposed to see in these two sons well you don't have to guess at it it's right here two nations or two peoples two corporate groups if you will it's not this isn't just a picture of Adam and Christ as some of them are or the um you know the uh, the wife that is loved or the wife that is not loved or it's it's th- th- those are involved in other pictures or the or the older or the younger or whatever this is about two corporate people okay and if you can understand that here that's going to make a whole lot of more sense out of other verses in the New Testament too especially Romans chapter 9 where and, and Malachi uh, chapter One, where God is talking about Jacob, I have loved, and Esau, I have hated. Not talking about the people, but the nations, the peoples, the the, the covenants, the people to whom, in whom God has, in in one case, relate, not related to at all, withheld his himself, which is what the word hatred and love have to do with. In in Hebrew language, they have to do with the absence or the presence of of a relationship and and then the other one he loves he gives himself to he 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 lavishes himself upon them so anyway here we begin this chapter or begin this section here with an understanding that let me just read a couple more verses here but that the two there's two people one's greater than the other and of course the the the, the second is greater than the first as always as in all the types and shadows it's always the same thing um and it says, So when her days were fulfilled to give, for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called him Esau. And afterwards his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was six years old when she bore them. Okay. So, um, Yeah, I, I just have a list here. Yeah, I, I wrote down in the notes here. So, some pictures of the first and the second focus on flesh versus spirit, some on works versus faith, some on shadow versus substance, uh, accepting to the, accepted to the Father, not accepted to the Father. There's all kinds of different elements, but um, here uh, this story is about two people. And the... Uh, the, the first thing I, I want to, uh, uh, the first specific in this story I want to call attention to is this issue of the birthright. Okay, the the birthright is um, it's it's another theme that repeats throughout the Bible, and it it always has the same meaning, and it always I think to some degree or another, from one angle or another, always points to the same reality. The, the birthright, it's, it, you know, God didn't have to. I mean, all of these, things, you have to, you have to go back, cause, cause we, we usually think of things backwards. We usually think of, you know, yeah, there's this thing that used to exist, or maybe still does exist, you know, to some extent in the world, where the firstborn gets this, or the firstborn gets that, and we think that's kind of interesting, and maybe God is kind of borrowing that language when he talks about Christ, his firstborn, who receives an inheritance. No, it's just the, it's the other way around. God had a firstborn in his mind, That he was going to bestow after he came out from the womb of death, he was going to bestow upon that firstborn everything, not until he came out of the womb, not until he came out of death, but when he came out of the womb of death, out of the grave, out of the tomb, he was going to, he was going to receive a kingdom. And he was going to receive a priesthood, a people, a bride, an inheritance. He was going to receive all that the Father could give him in the form of this corporate body. And and so, because God had that in His plan, then He created the natural shadow to bear witness of that reality. But He didn't just look around the earth and say, "You know what? It's kind of like that." You know, or, or you know, my son is kind of like water. No, He created water to be kind of like the sun. Or, or he didn't say, you know, you know what? See that light over there? That's dawning, and my son is kind of like light. No, he created the sun. See, it's not that Christ is kind of like natural light. It's that natural light is kind of like the sun. Do you see the difference? And it's the same thing with the firstborn. It's not just all the all the the nature of of the relationships that God established in the natural world were specifically established, and. Were, were were created to be, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's father and son, whether it's king and ruler, whether it's firstborn. These things that God established in His testimony are very specific pictures that were made to represent or point to in some way a spiritual reality, a spiritual reality of our relationship with God in Christ. So, what I'm trying to say is that. All of these stories that have to do with a firstborn receiving an inheritance, or the firstborn losing the inheritance, because there's some stories like Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob, and he lost the inheritance, and it was given to um, to Joseph. So the firstborn of Leah lost the inheritance, and the firstborn of uh, Rachel, which was actually, yeah, w- the firstborn of the second wife. I mean, it it's kind of it can be kind of convoluted if, if if it's not really what the lord's dealing with your heart on then then it's always clear i mean when the lord shows you something it's not complicated it's just big and it's and it's awesome and it's not confusing you don't have to try to get it you just look at it but but if it's just and and and, and that's what i'm hoping happens through these times although i have to you know do what i can to try to describe these things so um so <laughs> god here's what I'm getting at God created this natural testimony what natural testimony the fact that the one that opens the womb receives all that the father has okay it was it was i mean that's not the way that things generally work today although I'm sure it still exists in various places and to various extents you know maybe it does in the you know, in some cultures, very prominently. In our culture, it's kind of more like whoever the parents like the most, I guess, or, you know, gets written into the will. But um th- there was a time for thousands of years where the firstborn didn't matter if, you know, he w- was – you know, a, a bozo in the family or whatever, the black sheep or, you know, had a few missing parts or whatever. He, 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 the, the one that, oh, here's the, here's the rule. Here's the established thing. Established because of what it points to. The one that opens the womb receives all that the father has. Okay? Why? Because there was because God was sending His Son to, to be born, to open the womb of, to open something that had never been opened before, to open the first and make a ladder out of it to the second, to open the natural and, and, and put a, put His Son, Sarah was talking about this morning, Christ as the way, the actual path itself, out of the one to the other. He opens the womb of death and uh, of darkness, and, and 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 comes out as the head of a corporate body. He does that. And going back to, like, if you go back to Exodus thirteen, and it doesn't, if friends, if you don't see Christ in Exodus thirteen, it doesn't make any sense because. Right in the midst of this huge, if you, if you look at the story of the Exodus and you, all you see is this big national delivery, you know, God saving his, you know, the Jews cause he likes them or whatever, you know, cause they're being picked on by Pharaoh. If you don't see Christ in that story, then it's absolutely out of place and, and strange for God to stop talking. I mean, he, God strikes all the firstborn of, um, of Egypt, there's a great cry. Pharaoh says, "Get out of my land!" You know, he basically, vomits them out of his land. The people go forth. They're carrying unleavened bread on their shoulders, with their you know lo- loins girded and their sandals on, and they're they're heading out, and they're and they're taking everyone's scarlet. Thread and, the, and different kinds of thread and gold and silver on their way out because God's going to use it to build his temple. And then right there, it's just, it's like right there, there's chapter 12 and then boom, it stops. And then God just throws this, it's like this random sermon in the mid, between that moment and between, and, and the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea. God doesn't wait a minute. He just gives them this whole chapter about, what does he say? The firstborn is mine. It's not yours. Whatever opens the womb is mine. And what, why? Why is he talking about that right then? Because he's opening the womb right then. That's what he's doing. He's opening up Egypt, and they're about to come out. And he, and, and 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 so from he says, from this day on, I, I can't wait until tomorrow to tell you this. You know, I have to tell you right now. From this day on, the firstborn is mine. Whatever opens up the womb of death and comes out, okay, it receives. Every it, it's my it belongs to me and it receives everything that I have and and then he and he says that and he gives them a billion pictures of that you know that they're just going to have to keep for the rest of their existence the firstborn of, of uh, uh well you know the, the firstborn of of um, the, the the people are are his and that that he makes this exchange later. You don't have to look at it. We'll talk about it when we get there. But he exchanges the, the firstborn for the Levites and they represent the firstborn from that point on. But he also talks about the cattle, you know, and the animals. Everything belongs to him. The firstborn of everything. So I'm trying to I'm trying to make you realize that this isn't a little deal, this whole firstborn part of the story with Jacob and Esau. Jacob did not have the right of firstborn. Esau did. Esau came out first and therefore, like every other person in the entire Old Testament, had the right to receive everything that the father, he had that right to everything that the father had. And that that inheritance, I think you can kind of sum it up as... A kingdom and a priesthood, in in some ways, uh, the the, the he, that that person had the the priestly authority or the spiritual authority over the family. He had he he receives all the goods, the power, the the reign, so to speak, the the headship over the entire family, um, all that that the father represented, you know, and that's what ultimately you see Isaac giving to Jacob is you shall be lord over your brothers and the the dew of heaven shall be yours and the fatness of the earth and he goes on to to give him that blessing but um okay so again the 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 that which comes out of death that's cuz that's what birth is a picture of birth is a picture of life coming out from death or about and that's what Jesus fulfills Jesus opens up that That dead womb, that womb that has been dead forever. That's why, that's why Rebecca had to have a dead womb. That's why Rachel had to have a dead womb. That's why, womb, that's why Sarah had to have a dead womb because that had never been alive before. Because God opens it up and life comes out of it and that's exactly what he did in the resurrection of Christ. He opens up the the earth and something alive from the dead comes out and offers a way out for everybody. And Jesus right before he does it, he says, "Look, if anyone wants to follow me, you can. I'm about to go somewhere." And they say, "Where are you going?" You know, are you going to go preach among the Greeks? Are you going to do that? Are you going to kill yourself?" Some said, you know, whatever. And and Jesus, you know, he 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 tells the the um he tells the Jews that they can't follow him and then he tells his disciples you will follow me you know and, and 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 where are they following him you know and we all think about some you know our carnal minds go off to some heavenly um, mansion or something but we're, how did Jesus say it's right there in John chapter 12 he says unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit anyone who want, right goes right into it it's part two of the same sermon anyone who wants to follow me you know Anyone who holds on to his life cannot follow me. Anyone who wants to follow me must lose his life or I, I forget exactly how he says, it, but it's, it's the very next verse um, so um you know I just have a list of different you know the the, the feast of the first fruits is exactly this you know remember on, on on Passover, the lamb dies on unleavened bread the next feast the second day uh the the leaven is separated from the loaf, okay. God has a new loaf without leaven that happens that's burial and the third day the firstborn the first sheath the first barley harvest pops out of the ground and what does God do he says bring that to the tabernacle that's mine wave it to the, give it to the high priest and have him wave it before the Lord the firstborn is mine it's it's right there there's it's all over the prophets you know it's this barren mother who's called zion because jerusalem has already had her sons israel in the flesh has already had her sons just like leah had her sons first and and the and the true the mother that this this mother that's called zion is waiting and and and, and all of a sudden she suddenly out of nowhere she travails and gives birth to a nation in a day she gives birth to the Lord's people, the, the company of Jacob, and, and and there there they are, you know. And 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 out from that womb comes the one upon whom the Lord bestows everything, everything He has, and and that everything consists, like I said, uh, there's lots of different ways to describe it. You could say it consists of um, the the relationship. well, that 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 that. that that person receives a kingdom, and it receives a priesthood, and receives a bride, and receives. A, I mean, there's lots of different pictures of, of all of all that what that inheritance entails, but um, all of that is a picture of um, of something that came to be a spiritual reality in the in the resurrection of Christ. We come out joined to him as the church of the firstborn, Hebrew says, the church of the firstborn, the ones joined to the firstborn, the church of the firstborn registered in heaven. So um, so uh, going back to the story, Esau has this birthright and, and Jacob does not. And yet part of God's story, of redemption that we need to see, understand, and experience is that the first becomes last, and the last becomes first. The first nation, the people to whom the promises were given, the prophecies and the covenants, that nation despises its birthright. It it, it could have, um, in a sense, it could have Like a few, like a few did, like the Simeons and the Annas at the temple that received Jesus and said, "Behold, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord." You know, it could it could have waited and received its inheritance at the fullness of time, but but it desired something of its own appetite. It desired there was something more important to it, and this is the way that 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 this first man works in us too. There's something more important to it than. The birthright, and that's just its own temporary natural momentary appetite and so Esau exposes that he 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 what does he do he he comes you know the story he comes running in he's just been hunting and he's famished, and Jacob's cooking up a nice little lentil you know cabbage stew or something and and uh Esau says you know I'm hungry. Give me some of that food right now. Um, and then he says, sell me your birthright. And, and Esau says, what good is my birthright if I'm going to die? And that's exactly, by the way, what Israel kept saying in the wilderness. You know, Did you bring us out here to die? What good is being out of Egypt if we're going to die? Was there not enough graves in Egypt? Did you bring us out here to die, 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 die? It's always this fear of death thing. It's always this self-protection Uh Mode and, and self and self preservation and self love just always seems in the natural man always trumps in our heart the offer of God, the inheritance of God. And so that's what the first always does. That's what Esau does. He says, you know, here, take my birthright to yours. I'll trade you for this natural, temporal, passing pleasure, uh, that I'm going to be stuffed with in ten minutes, you know, and and then that's that's it, and and uh, and that's what Esau did. That's what Israel in the flesh did. That's what we do. Okay, we choose something that we think gives us life instead of the birthright, something that that is according to our momentary appetites, and and so the birthright's handed over. To the second, and with the birthright comes the blessing. With the birthright comes the inheritance. You and you can see that play because once Jacob has the birthright, it's only right for him to be recognized as the firstborn, even though he has no he has no natural right. Remember, we're talking about two peoples here, okay? There's a second body. There's a second people. It's like the younger son that, you know, he's been out playing with the pigs and, and he has really should have no right to come back to the father. Yet he does. And and the one who was with the father all, all the while, he never never experiences all that the father was offering. I'm talking about the parable of the prodigal son there. It's a similar kind of thing. So, the one who, who who whose birthright it was gives it to the one who has no right to have that birthright, and that 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 son, it, it, you know, and it plays out, and the details of the story are fantastic. But even if there weren't all the details of the clothing and the in the in the firstborn and the covering and the appearing to the father uh, as the firstborn, still, as soon as he got the birthright, the inheritance belongs to him. Just as a fact, as a fact of God's economy, the fact of God's spiritual law, because of how it points to Christ. And so, if you're not recognized as the firstborn by the father, then you, then there is no inheritance. Um, and so, so, so now that now that Jacob. Has received the birthright, then the story goes into uh, there's a little there's a chapter actually in between where I think they're about to go to Egypt and God warns them not to go to Egypt and they have this quarrel with these Philistines that are that are plugging up their wells and there's maybe a few things I'll say about that next time maybe not but um, but then it picks back up in chapter 27 and and uh, the the focus here is how Rebecca prepares jacob the second to appear before the father as the first as though as the well as the firstborn the second has the true right of firstborn is kind of what's going on here so um yeah i I, i'm not going to get too super far tonight but that's okay what what does rebecca do genesis 27 this is not a story about I mean the 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 commentaries that I've read on this chapter are so goofy they they all um for the most part try to make this a story about how Jacob tricked his dad and how it was a naughty thing to do and um and how he hadn't been you know disciplined by the Lord yet like he was under Laban's you know, slavery or something, and, and how he was a naughty little boy, you know. And, and the moral of the story is, don't trick your dad because your brother will get mad. Or I mean, I don't know. It's just, you read it, and I'm like, you really think that that's what that's in the Bible for? No. This is a story about someone who has no right to inherit something from his father. Somebody who's not qualified naturally being somehow uniquely qualified and even recognized by the Father as something that he's not. And, and yeah, from, from the natural perspective, that looks like deception, and, 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 and I suppose that, 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 that has to be the way the type and shadow plays out in that story, because how else are you going to paint a picture of the fact that God looks at us and sees Christ? I don't mean that we are Christ, but I mean that we are hidden with Christ in God. I mean that Christ is our righteousness. I mean that Christ is – God has tucked us away in the rock and put his hand over us so that the one that he sees and recognizes, the one whose merits we we, we, we stand before – with with whom we stand before him is, is one that we have no natural claim to. Except that we're clothed with him, hidden with him, smell like him, and are given the offering in our hand that he wants to eat. You see what I'm saying? That's what this story is about. So the second has the birth right now, and he has the right to the blessing as well. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is about, this is about a corporate people. This is like so many of Jesus' parables. I have some of these written down here too, but, um, a people that were not a people suddenly called to people, you know, a, a, a people that were not invited to the wedding feast, suddenly they're there, you know, how do we get here? I don't know. Some guy came and got me, told me I could come in, you know, uh, a, a people that had no, no right to even go near the vineyard. Suddenly they were put in, put over the vineyard and because they were going to give the owner the fruits of it, uh, the son that had went away and was playing with pigs uh, suddenly he's back and, and he's the one getting the fatted calf and the older brothers you know having a tantrum in the corner so many of the parables talk about this exact same thing and and it's all because and, and see that second that that's it's not because of Anything that we have, that second nation or people have in ourselves, it's all because the one, because the one who has the birthright has given it to us. It's all because Rebecca, this picture of the Christ's work and Rebecca here, um, she, she, Christ prepares us this this corporate body to stand before the Father in such a way that everything he's looking for from Christ is offered to him by us again I am not saying that we are Christ, but I am saying that Christ has made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification, and every other spiritual thing that the father rejoices in so um the story is i mean it's 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 the pictures in the story. I mean, again, it makes no natural sense. This story. It's just like 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 I was saying about some of the commentaries I read. It, it, you know, it's about a guy that like puts goat skin on his neck and his arms. You know, I mean, that's weird. But and and yet, Esau was a hairy man. You know, I mean, in in other words, to to appear before the father. We must be fully clothed in what the Father recognizes the firstborn to be. And so what does Rachel do, or Rebecca do? Um, You know, maybe I should just read it. Let me pull it up here. Um, Let me just read a little bit of this, okay? Starting in verse 6, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, 27, 6. Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebecca, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father... I just think that's a funny thing to say. Who would say? I'm a smooth man. You know? uh, but I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, that I will be as a deceiver, and then I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Here's another thing that Christ does for us. First, he puts the food in our hand, the offering that the father wants, Okay. Then he says, "Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me." So he, she, he takes the curse for us. But his um, let's see, where it is. So he went and got them and brought them to his father. And the mother made savory foods such as his father loved. Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her son. Which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Then she put the skins of the young goats on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. And then he came to his father and said, My father, here I am. So, I mean, so there's like three or four or five, I don't even know, maybe I have a list of them here, ways that Rebecca makes it so that the father is seeing is accepting the second wrapped up in the firstborn or, or given everything that the firstborn had. We're hidden with Christ in God. So there's the perfect meal, the first perfect offering just as the father likes. There's the let this let the father's curse be on me. There's the um, best garments And and that that entails, as you find out later, that entails the smell of the firstborn too, because when he leans forward to kiss his father, the father smells his smells the clothes of the firstborn. Good thing he didn't smell the goat skin, in my opinion. But um, so. And then, and then she she puts the skin uh, on him so that he feels. So, so you have he tastes like Christ, he smells like Christ, he looks like Christ, and he fe- he's like doing all the senses here. You know, he looks like Christ, he smells like Christ, he feels like Christ, and what was the other one? I just said it, but you, you heard it. And 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 then and then he puts the food in, in in his hand, and he comes to the father, and the father says, "This is the right offering." These are the right clothes. This is the right smell. This is the right feel. This is my firstborn. And again, obviously, in the story, there's nat- from a natural perspective, there's deception involved. But you know, first of all, types and shadows are always limited. The the, the point of them is to paint a picture of something spiritual, not to give you a natural moral lesson. And God is always using, whether it's David or Abraham or or, or any of the, you know, Samson or any of the guys that he uses to represent pictures of Christ throughout the entire Old Testament, they're always messed up Adamite people that in themselves have no right to be painting a picture of Christ except the way that God uses them. Do you understand? It's not like God's pointing out special Adamites and saying, this guy is a really good picture of, of my son because of his behavior. No, it's because of the picture that God paints with that person. If David didn't kill all the Philistines in the land, then he wouldn't have been a good picture of the. Just like Saul, you know, it, it, it's what God had him do that represents Christ, the removal of the flesh, or it's what God had Abraham or Noah do building an ark. You know, if Noah would have, I don't know, not not done that, then then he wouldn't have just he wouldn't have made the Bible. He wouldn't, you know, God would have said, Oh, will find someone else that's going to paint this picture of, of my son," because, you know. Uh, that's what I'm interested in. Um, so there's deception involved in the story. I'm going to wrap up here. I see that we're running out of time, but the in the fulfillment, it's not really deception. Although it kind, of, it's not really deception, but but it is. I mean, again. The second nation, truly, of the second people, which is the body of Christ, the, the church, uh, Israel, my son, in spirit and truth, it did truly receive the merits of the firstborn. It did truly have the correct offering, the correct covering, the correct smell, the correct touch, and and it and, and, there, and it had the and it had the first uh, the, the right of firstborn as well. And so, it's right. That the father recognize Jacob as the firstborn in this story. I mean, Esau doesn't like it, but the flesh, I mean, the first never likes it. And that's another thing that's just so huge here is that the father has, it's so cool too. The father has only one blessing for, for one son. And that, if you, you can't miss that. I mean, you just can't. You can't read this story and miss it because Esau asks him three times, Father, you've got, he comes back in. Remember he comes back in and Jacob just left and, 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 Esau, you know, realizes what Jacob's done and, and he screams with a very bitter and, and severe scream or something like that. And he shakes to the, his bone and, and then he says, Father, bless me too. And his father says, I can't. I have only one blessing. And then Esau says, you've got to have another one. Come on. He's got to be like a part two or a section B you can give me. And, and Esau says, no, I've already blessed your, your brother and he will be blessed. And then he says, come on, give me something, you know. And then he basically pronounces a curse over him. So, so Esau is trying to get, my point is that outside of the blessing that is on God, that has to do with being in Christ, clothed with Christ, found in Christ. There is no blessing. There's no second part. There's no slightly lesser version. There's no nothing. And uh, and, and as with all the other stories, like Cain, the first cannot re- accept its rejection, and 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 uh, and uh, Ishmael, and Saul later. He has a real hard time accepting that David has been anointed and the kingdom is taken away from him, and you know whatever the story it is, it's always the same. When God says to Abraham, you know, Ishmael is not the right son, Abraham, it says as how does it say? He was very grieved in his heart about his son, and says, "Oh, that Ishmael might live before you." No one accepts the rejection of the first well. And, and yet, there's no other blessing besides the one that's in Christ. All things belong to Christ. We are co-heirs with Him in the measure, you know, because we're hidden with Him, enclosed with Him, baptized into Him, covered with Him, and, and smell like Him, taste like Him, feel like Him to the Father. That's why. But nothing outside of Him, nothing of the first is blessed. And I just want to make a closing comment here um there if you have a new i think the new king james the translation is it kind of messes up the translation so that it doesn't even make sense let's see here where is it it's at the end of genesis 27 um yeah genesis 27:38 now in in, in the, I'm reading from the new american standard here And it says, Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even also my father. So Esau lifted up his, this is the third time I think he's, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. By the sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you break his yoke from your neck. Now, um, if you read the the new the the new King James, it doesn't and i looked I looked at uh, the reason why this is and it has to do with this one Hebrew word that um they they could translate this way, but it, it just makes it make absolutely no spiritual sense. It's much more likely and rightly I think translated away but here look it says then Isaac his father answered and said to him, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above.' It doesn't say away from the fatness and away from the dew of the heaven. It says it shall, it shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven. It's that word of, which, um, should be translated away from, not of, because of, of makes it basically the same blessing that, that, um, that Jacob got, you know, and it doesn't really make sense. It's supposed to be a contrast. It is a total contrast. And he's already said three times he doesn't have another blessing, and so he he, he and, and so I just wanted to point that out in case you have a New King James and you're reading through that and you're like, wait, it seems like he ended up blessing him. He didn't. You have to look at another. You know, most translations have it away from, and I, that's the away from the fertility of the earth, away from the dew of the heaven, and that's the right. I think that's the right way to translate that, and that's the way that makes sense in, in, in the context of the story. So, all right, I'll stop with that.